Well, here we are for another social distancing podcast with Femi and Ferrari. What's going on, man? Uh, how are you doing, Mike? I'm I'm doing okay. Were you out? Um, were you out boat shopping today? Uh, I was not out boat shopping. Why do you uh, Why do you ask that? Because well, I'm trying to figure out how you're going to get to work with that West Seattle Bridge closed. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's the the, the last uh, few weeks it's been closed down, and uh, there's a there's a detour alternate route that uh, that I've been going on. Right. So you know, it's it so far it's been okay. You know, we've been social distancing, so a couple of days out of the week I'm working remote. So you know, I, I only do it three days out of the week now versus the normal five if we were in uh, normal times. But uh, yeah, no, I'm curious to see how it uh, how, how the traffic flow will be once people start going back to work. Does it does it take you to Puyallup and like east and then north or like how does that work? No, so it, it just it, we we we, uh, we we mosey on down a little bit to uh, to Olympia and then we. No. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, so it's a pretty convenient yeah. commute. You know, it's uh, it's not too shabby, but uh, we're, we're trying to make do with what we have right now. I'm just glad that the weather's nice. So if the if the commute's gonna be longer, at least uh, at least it's sunny out. That's true. That's true. I, I guess back in like 83, when they built that bridge, supposedly they, they should, I, I guess they were told to do a suspension bridge, but they went the cheaper route. Yeah. And so now you have to pay for it. So Here we go. 2022. <laughs> <laughs> so 2020 continues to suck. It, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a year that is testing all of us. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much. Yeah. That's, that sums it up right there. Yeah. So interesting um, times, uh, to say the least. Yeah. What's what what's new with you as far as uh, the poll you put out today? Because I'm getting excited for the draft. We got a lot going on next week, and um, I'm I'm curious as to you know what what the summation of people was for what the Seahawks need because it seems like they need a lot of different things. You know, it, player acquisition is a 365 year a day job, is what uh, a lot a lot of front office execs tell us. So uh, it's it's interesting that when the draft it's uh, we're a week away I can't believe that like in about an hour or so uh, yeah. this time next week we'll be uh, we'll know who at least the Cincinnati Bengals will uh, will have on their team I, mean, I think all indications are that it's going to be Joe Burrow out of LSU but uh, yeah no it's kind of crazy how the draft really crept up you know usually it feels like it takes a while to get here but right. I think maybe because of everything that's going on in the world that you know it feels like in a way things are moving really fast, but then also really slow at the same time. I'm not sure if that makes any sense, but it just, it, it feels a little weird, but uh, here comes the draft. And as for the Seahawks, you mentioned the poll that I put up earlier this morning. And the question was, which position group would you like the Seahawks to address with the 27th pick in next week's draft? This of course is assuming they don't trade down or trade up. They probably will trade down, but we can only work off the information that we know right now. They are right. the holders of the 27th pick and, an overwhelming majority, I would say, six, nearly 61%. What would you guess? The options were O-line, D-line, defensive back, or other. What would you guess the people uh, want with that first-round selection? Well, I know the Seahawks fans around here are pretty savvy, and they're pretty tuned into your team. And so I would definitely say defensive line. Sir, that is the correct answer. There you go. <laughs> ding, 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 Defensive ding, ding. line. Uh, you know, we've – Talked ad nauseum about Jadavian Clowney. Right now, he's still an unrestricted free agent, able to sign with any of the 32 teams in the NFL. Uh, I think in a perfect world, John Schneider, Pete Carroll would love to retain Jadavian Clowney. They obviously mm -hmm. want to do it, though, at the at the price they feel like fits best for their entire cap structure. But, you know, if 
a clowny is unable to come back maybe he goes somewhere else which you know there's a handful of teams that we've heard of that are interested at least maybe might be working on something in terms of trying to bring him in at the best but uh defensive line is a position of need i think whether they get clowny or not and i think a lot of the fans like you mentioned saying that they are pretty in tune with what's going on with this team and I, I believe that's a, a lot of the mock drafts have, have kind of mocked a defensive lineman to the Seahawks. So I, I think that's the direction that most people are uh, are kind of eyeing for them to address uh, early on in the draft next week. Is it kind of weird how the clowny conversation just suddenly like hit the brakes? It, just all, all of a sudden just like disappeared. It's like funny. we wish the coronavirus would. But <laughs> it, it, it's, it's funny you say that because the last couple of days I was contemplating whether I wanted to put up a poll saying, Hey, have you forgotten that Jadavion Clowney's a free agent? Because I have at times. <laughs> like, what is he up to? When, when free agency, you know, free agency always has, it goes in waves. You know, the first wave, those first 48 to 96 hours or so, where it's like a lot of the big name players are signed. And then there's the second week of that second wave of guys who were kind of maybe established veterans or lower level guys switching teams here or there. We're on like wave number five, I believe, <laughs> in terms of free agency. And there's right. still no talk. So, and it's to the point right now is that, I mean, you'd be hard pressed for something to happen within the next week because teams are so focused on getting prepared for this virtual draft. I mean, even if it wasn't virtual and if it was normal, teams would be prepared for getting ready for the draft. But the fact that it is something that's going to be uh, virtual and be held across Zoom conversations and all that stuff, I think a lot of teams are just kind of focused on this draft. And then once that happens, then they'll really like assess their roster and then maybe go back to, all right, maybe we need to add a little something on top and bring in a, a pretty big impact player that's usually not on the market this late into the offseason. Yeah, you know, there was a report, I think maybe yesterday, that uh, someone thought that they may actually go ahead and make a deal with Jacksonville for Ngakwe. And so, did I say his name right again? I say it's like my test. Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe, Ngakwe. So, uh I don't know. I mean, the, some of the highlights of that guy he reminds me a lot of Chris Clemens in his prime. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's the 91 that may, makes that stick out to me. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, that that would, to me would be like, okay, they get to that point and they're they're thinking, okay, we'll make a deal with Jacksonville because Clenny's not coming back. Yeah. It's because just- it's not deep at defensive end this year. And, that, and, that's, and that's why last week I was thinking about, hey, maybe do they trade up? in this draft to get an impact player. And we know that's not their MO. No, you know, but, but it might be time to switch things up if they want to, if they at least realize that they're not going to be able to retain Jadavian Clowney, then maybe you get a guy who can maybe become uh, an impact player at that position. And you'll at least have them for three to four years of a cost controlled contract to where you can kind of fit that into your salary cap. But, but I mean, as of now, I mean, the, the Ngakwe thing, the longer this clowny thing plays out, doesn't make as much sense to me since they've always done the opposite in terms of, one, giving up picks, and two, paying big money to a pass rusher. They'll have to do both if they want to get Ngakwe. I mean, you already have Clowney's rights, so you might as well just try to re Clowney and then just be able to keep your first-round draft pick. Yeah. Um, and Unless maybe the Jaguars' price goes down. And in that case, then, yeah, I could for sure see them if they only had to part ways with a second and maybe – a second, fifth, and the next year's third or something like that. Like, if it's something where it's not going to be a first-round pick, maybe they do try to trade for a, an impact guy and then sign him long-term would be, a, I believe, the next step if they were to pull off something like that. But as of now, I just I just don't see it with the way that they use their draft picks and their uh, 
apprehension to paying guys like that over the last uh, 18 months or so. Yeah. I, I, so many questions. And I sit here as we were talking about them, not really, you know, kind of knowing what they do by, by way of past history. And it's interesting because they never do what we think they're going to do. Yeah. And with that, if they're not, if they're just going to go off the rails, right. And not address the defensive end with the draft and maybe make a number one pick right in the first round. If you could have any player minus Burroughs, you know what I mean? If they say, okay, it doesn't matter. We're just going to use our number one on what the heck we want. And that would be what Femi wants. Who, which player would you take? And, 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 and everybody was still out there. If everybody was, if I had my pick of the litter and it wasn't just the 27th pick, I mean, I, I think Chase Young has to be a slam dunk. Right. You know, it's a, yeah. a dominant, dominant defensive end. Uh, arguably the best player in the draft would go number one, if not for a team's needing quarterbacks. I mean, he's probably going to be the first position player taken. I think it'd be a pretty big shock if he's not. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you want a guy who could potentially become a Genevian Clowney? It's that guy right there. So, I mean, that's that's something I think Seahawks would do cartwheels if they had the opportunity to do that. I mean, that'd be selling the entire farm to get up that high in the draft. But uh, if they had their choice of which draft eligible player they'd want, I, I'd imagine it'd be him. Yeah. But what would you want? Like, would you take him as well? Would you take Chase oh, Young yeah, as well? I, oh, without, hesi- without hesitation, yeah. I mean, it's it, it, they they clearly have a pass rushing problem. We saw that last year, you know, when they played yeah. the quarterbacks. There were the defense really couldn't get off the field. Heck, we saw Jameis Winston and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers really light him up, mm-hmm. you know, right there at CenturyLink Field. So if they can kind of get to the quarterback and affect the passer, I mean, that's that's the guy who's going to get it done, at least in this draft class, with it not being as uh, as deep in that position, um, which is a position of need for them, unfortunately. Yeah, Jameis still without a job. Um, yeah, he's also without a job. Crazy. But, you know, uh, I'll say a name. and Obviously – I would never turn my back on a guy like a Chase Young, like a game changer like that. Yeah. Let's say, let's say I'm 20 picks in, or so. Yeah. And I still is this, I, you know, I'm going to be a wild card. I'm going I'm to be John Schneider with just some, you know, full on attitude. I'm going to rock and roll this draft. There's one player that I just thought was on a crappy team in a crappy program, but may have been one of the best players, but just did not get the notoriety. And plus he just got beat up all the time. Mm-hmm. LaVisca Chenault. It's a good player. I just think that guy can do a lot of different things. And like offensively with where the Seahawks are, I mean, I think he allowed would a lot. Again, this is not addressing the defensive line needs. This is yeah. just total wild card. Like a guy like that could really, you know, destabilize an opposing defense. Like he he would just be a headache in the right system, and he wouldn't have to play every down like he did at Colorado, and just get hammered on every play. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. he, he ended up getting hurt a lot. Uh, I think it was last year he missed a lot of games. But I don't know. There's just one player in, in the conference. And obviously, I watch a lot of Pac-12 footballs. I know you do. Yeah. But, but there's one player this jumps off the screen at me in every game that included you know Colorado it was always that that guy it doesn't didn't matter who they played you know he was good against the SCs and everybody so I mean that that's the total wild card I, there's just something I, I'm curious to see where that guy ends up and then I want to follow him as as he goes you know what I mean 
Oh no, so, he's he's a, he's a great player. I mean, if yeah. you talk about positions where it's really deep. I mean, wide receiver. A lot of people say that this might be one of the best wide receiver classes ever. Yeah, you know, there, there's probably going to be upwards of maybe six wide receivers that get taken in the first round. It's you know, there's the the three for sure with Rugs, Judy, and C.D. Lamb. Those guys will probably go within the first fifteen mm-hmm. to eighteen picks. And then you mentioned Chenault, uh, Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State is a guy that's. Right. Highly touted Justin Jefferson at LSU. He's a guy. So it's like you're talking about those are six names right there, all that conceivably could go in the first round of this draft. And, you know, a wide receiver isn't really a need for the Seahawks. You know, they picked up Philip Dorsett, maybe adding him. He adds some more speed. I mean, they have a lot of speed in that room with Metcalf and Lockett. But, right. You know, you can never have too many good pass catchers. So maybe if the if the Seahawks see a guy that ends up falling down to 27 and like, hey, the value is just too good. Yeah. This guy is far and away the best guy available right now. Maybe they do go in that direction and just say, let's load up and make a, a position of strength even stronger and just say, but will they end up passing them? Because, you know, they're a, a, a physical run the ball football team but I mean, that would kind of be going opposite of their identity right right you know yeah. maybe this is the year to do that with the the talent being so uh deep in that position that hey maybe let's just get one of these guys who's gonna be a difference maker and we're just gonna have three four good wide receivers that are tough to cover and that's why malik turner doesn't have a job because they looked at the depth in this draft yep. and what they have and if anybody's going to get a, a chance, it's going to be a John Ursua. We saw, you know, some good glimpses of late in the year. He almost won that game at the goal line with that catch he had uh, against the Niners, right? Yeah. End of the year. So, I mean, he's a guy that has potential. A lot of people compare him to Doug Baldwin. So, I don't know. There's just certain players that just stand out to me. You know what I mean? And so, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what happens with them as as the draft goes and you mentioned LaVisca Chenault so I'm looking at right now yeah Dane, Brug- Dane Brugler is the lead draft analyst uh and writer for the athletic does really good work every year this guy and kudos to him his work ethics every year he puts out a draft guy that he calls the beast and he works on it immediately starting right after the uh the Sunday after the draft ends he starts working on that next year's one wow. so what he does is he compiles thousands of scouting reports just talking to uh people at universities watching the game tape etc etc and he ranks all the prospects that are draft eligible and you talk about lavisca chanel just to to give the folks an an idea as to how deep this wide receiver group is dame brugler has lavisca chanel as his eighth ranked wide receiver wow but but he still has him as a second round grade he Hmm. has seven guys ranked higher than him five or six of which he has in the in the first round range or first to second round range, he has twenty six wide receivers that are capable of being taken in the first four rounds of the draft. That's wow, just that's that shows a, you yeah. how talented this wide receiver draft is. I mean, you you don't, you don't typically see. Usually, you'll get maybe three guys at most that go. I mean, there could be three guys gone in the first fifteen picks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 truly incredible. It's if you like big guys, small guys, fast guys, possession guys, you know, it's pick, pick your, your, your flavor is Baskin Robbins. If you want a wide receiver. Out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Because you gotta, I, I, someone, I forgot to explain it to me. You always want your receivers to kind of be like a basketball team. Yep. Like height wise and just kind of the, the way they can go about, you know, their, their position on the field. And so, 
I mean, it is. What 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 type of player exactly our team's looking for? And yeah. that's going to be a question. But it's a, wow, twenty six guys. That's that's pretty impressive. 20, yeah, twenty six guys that range from a first round grade all the way to a fourth to fifth round grade. And that's that, and, like, and there's guys that are after that who are obviously capable who will be taking sixth, seventh round guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he has 44 wide receivers with draft eligible grades. Wow, and that's that's like usually I think you get half of that. You know, it's it's it, it's I don't know where that's coming from. Maybe it's all the seven on seven satellite camps that these kids are doing these days. But right, the wide receivers it feels like every year we're just getting getting more and more really good wide receivers and. You know, the NFL is welcoming them with open arms. <laughs> yeah, and it, but it is so, you know, dependent on the system, like where yeah. they end up, right? I mean, some guys might blossom under certain coaches and they won't in others, you know? I mean, I think – I don't I don't know I, – I think the Metcalf kind of acquisition here was great because of his size and what he does, but – you know, you mentioned that they like to run the ball. I think they 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 were slowly moving in that direction. Like, okay, wow, this is a viable option, viable option. And then what happens in the playoffs? He ends up having a rookie record for for yards, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, he he became that go to, and I, I can't wait to see what he has now in year number two. So, oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, every, no, everyone's excited about a guy like Metcalf, and like just even the type of wide receiver that Metcalf is. You know, he fits exactly what the Seahawks wanted to do. You know, the knock on DK Metcalf coming out of Ole Miss. I mean, this time last year, everyone says, all right, well, can he run all the routes? Does he change directions that well? Is he, is he going to be a guy who's versatile or is he just a one-trick pony or two-trick pony? All right, he can run deep. He can run some slants and some posts, and that's about it. But he's not going to be, be able to do any outbreaking routes or whatever. But for the Seahawks, they don't really see him as need, being need, needing to be a guy who's doing – all these intricate routes, you know, they, they want to run the ball and they want someone that's going to help stretch the field to keep defenses off a little bit so that they can't just crowd the line of scrimmage. Well, DK Metcalf can run as fast as anybody. So right. defenses have to kind of key on a guy like that. So it fits exactly what the Seahawks want to do versus if he went to another system, he might not have success because they might ask him to do something that he's not really comfortable doing. You know, it's, it, it's, it's all about fit and where these guys end up going and how that matches up with their skill set, which ultimately determines the type of career they're going to have. DK Metcalf, Metcalf might not work out for the Cleveland Browns or for the Buffalo Bills or whatever, but he works out for the Seattle Seahawks just because they ask right. him to do what he's good at. You know, it's it, it seems like it's obvious that, but a lot of teams don't. They, a lot of teams are rigid and just ask guys to do what they what they want them to do versus what they're actually good at. And luckily for the Seahawks, Metcalf matches up what they want out of the position that he plays. He can he can stretch the field and he kind of helps keep defenses from crowding line of scrimmage so that it's it's kind of a perfect fit and why he was able to have such success early on and especially late in the season like you mentioned in the in the playoff game against Green Bay. It has been been definitely fun to watch. But on the, on the greater cause of concern, which I know we've we've touched on in the past and with the current state of affairs, which we obviously can't ignore. I mean, how, how nervous are you getting for? the NFL season and playing in front of crowds and, and maybe not having it the way we're used to seeing it. But also, I mean, today Vaughn Miller was uh, diagnosed with coronavirus. Uh, yeah. He had the guy from the Rams last night. Um, still not quite sure why Jay Glazer made that such a big deal. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was kind of a weird move. By well, me. it is because it affects so many. It's not, I mean, it, there, there is no, 
you know, boundaries for this disease. So it's, I, I, yeah. I, I thought that was odd in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but whatever. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, when you think about the testing and, and the, the lack of a vaccine and I see Fauci saying, well, the only way you can go on with, with no crowds. Yeah. I mean, that would be, I think they can do it. I think it was Kirk cousins this week who said, you know, we practice all the time with nobody watching and just, you know, dumped in noise from speakers. So, you know, we could do it, but it would not be weird. Like, because if you're talking about like a quarantine bubble and stuff, we wouldn't even be able, I mean, to, to go, to go. Yeah. and like talk to guys after games and go to practices. And I mean, it would be really weird, you know, but, and, and, and conceivably maybe it's a, if, if they have to do that quarantine thing, you know, maybe it's 12 games if they can't figure out something by then. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's the total question mark, isn't it? It's kind of bizarre actually. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, if, if you're to ask me, I mean, obviously I'm not a health expert or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Put, put, I don't want to put that out there to begin with. Right. Um, I mean, I, I would be stunned if we see any sporting events with crowds in the year 2020. I don't think that's going to happen until 2021 at the earliest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just don't see how you can ha- have mass people, mass amounts of people congregate when you don't have a vaccine. Right. That to me, just on a logic and common sense level, just... It feels like we can't take that step until we take the step of having a vaccine. You'd be asking for trouble. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, we're going to start this thing right back up again, and nobody wants that. Uh, As for actually playing games, yeah, I think we'll see games with no fans Mm -hmm. uh, this year. You know, football, whether it starts that Thursday after Labor Day like it usually does, I have my doubts about that just because I think a lot of it's going to determine based on if we have widespread testing. You know, if if, if we can have widespread testing that we're – within minutes or even seconds you can tell somebody has the virus or not i think that would allow us to maybe at least identify these people early on even if they're not even showing symptoms and then be able to kind of quarantine them for a little bit just so it stops the spread um i think once we get that i think that's when the sports leagues will then return and it might be a situation where players are quarantined you know football teams are there's 53 players coaches trainers it's a lot of people that travel with a football team you're talking right. upwards of you know a hundred people or so and it, it, i can see it being very difficult to quarantine that, that many people but it's gonna be having to, it's gonna be something they're gonna have to try to uh go down towards in terms of a path because you know for sure they want to get these games on television you know the tv deals are where these leagues make their money yeah and they they got they have to put something on tv so whether it's fans or no fans i don't think they're really concerned about that i think they're mainly concerned about their employees and if they'd be able to keep them safe and safe enough to be able to put these games on because they're pretty much the only way these guys are going to get paid and these owners are going to make money is if these games are at least seen on television you know it's for the owners it's yeah they're going to miss out on all the ticket sales and the gates and all that stuff but i mean i think their main priority is let's get these games on tv so in terms of professional sports i think we'll see that i don't think we're going to see college sports until 2021 yeah um, Which is a massive the, blow for all, yeah, because that it's, promotes all and, and pays for all the other sports. Exactly, and, and which is why I believe we'll still see college football. I would be pretty surprised if we went a calendar year without college football, because like like you said, like there's no way these athletic departments are going to be able to survive without a college football season. I right. mean, we already, we already see some group of five teams like Cincinnati 
they cut their men's soccer program. You know, yeah. definitely. Just because they're anticipating not being able to have any football maybe until 2021 or like, you know, earlier mid winter at the earliest. So I think there's no way that you can play college football or start these fall sports with not having students on campus. Right. I just find, I find it hard to believe that we'll be able to have students on campus until there's a vaccine. I mean, it just from a safety perspective and you think about, I mean, every college campus probably has people from every place in this world you know, so it's it, it's it's going to be difficult having all those people kind of congregate in one area, thousands and thousands of people talk about some of these big schools, mm-hmm. 50,000 students in an undergrad. So it's until you actually get a vaccine, you're not going to see students going on campus. And if students aren't going to be on campus, there's no way you can ask these student athletes to play college football games, even if there's no fans. So I think college football will I don't think we'll ever see college football without fans, because if the students can be on campus, that means that they can at least go to games as well. Um, so I think we'll see college football maybe, hopefully, maybe in March or April. And then wow. you, know, yeah. you, hope, you hope by then that maybe we're able to go back to what life was like before COVID-19. And, you know, for the safety of everyone involved, that we've taken our time and taken the steps necessary to get back to that level. But, uh, yeah, I, I think professional sports, I think we'll see this year college sports, though. It's gonna it's gonna be a while. Not until students can get back on campus, and when whenever that is, is is anybody's is guess is as good as mine, I guess. Yeah, Bob Bowlesby went with the Big Twelve. He, was, he used to be at the University of Iowa as AD. Then he was at Stanford. Now he's with the Big Twelve Conference. Uh, he even said, "We're not playing unless students are back on campus because they're student athletes. They go to college, yep. and exactly. so they're not just gonna show up and play." Yeah. Um, which is which is weird. The whole thing is just off kilter. So uh, didn't. Never thought when we embarked on our podcast adventure uh, that we'd be talking about things like this. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's crazy. But, yeah. you know, one thing that I have thought of, I said, you know, a lot of times it's technology and social media. It, it, it gets a bad rap and stuff like that. And it, I know a lot of people kind of yearn for the days of when things were a lot more simple, but. I'm like, can you imagine if something like this happened in 1996 or two, even 2000 mm-hmm. with, with, with where we were technologically? I mean, now it's like you can have Zoom conversations, you can have FaceTime right. and all that stuff. Back then, the only time you could actually see somebody is if you actually were in 3D and saw <laughs> them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, like, now we're so advanced to where that we can always talk to each other whenever like we want. We just can't do it face-to-face. But back then, outside of a phone call and an email – and maybe AOL Instant Messenger, <laughs> there was there was no chance of being able to communicate with anybody instantaneously. And I, I think now is one of those times like, well, it, maybe technology was good. And thankfully, we have all these advancements so that we can still kind of communicate with people far and wide, even though we're not able to actually see them face to face. Yep. And AOL, just a time honored tradition that <laughs> remains, you know, working well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us still users of it. Some uh, of us <laughs> are still users of it, Femi. <laughs> hey, it, it all started with AOL, you know. Right. I'm, I, I'm a traditionalist. <laughs> Everybody remembers that when that, when that dial-up internet kind of kicked in. And it was just, it was as if you're printing or faxing off some important documents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it's crazy how like all that stuff it's it's allowed us to kind of 
I mean, even businesses, you know, like businesses are able to hold meetings and stuff like that on Zoom chat. Yeah. And they're at least able to kind of keep things as, as status quo as possible during a, a pandemic. Um, but like that, that would not be like everything would be shut down if this was two, year 2000. Right. You know, like places wouldn't be able to work people because they wouldn't be able to communicate or hold these meetings and all that stuff. And, and obviously, Internet now is a lot faster than it was back then to where you can at least be productive from working from home. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy that the advancement of technology has kind of allowed us to at least somewhat function uh, yeah. function during a during a global pandemic, at least to the best of our abilities. Wow. It's nuts. You think we'll see baseball? I know we talked a little bit about that, but I mean, I mean, yeah, uh, the commission is not letting down uh, Manfred. He is going to turn over every stone, he said. And uh, there's a way they could do that, too, uh, down in Arizona. But I, I don't I don't think you're going to see months and months of that. You know what I mean? I, I think yeah. maybe you get a 45 game season, but that's not really representative of, of the game. But oh, maybe game, it's yeah. just a way to, you know, at least get something on television. I, I guess. I, I, yeah. I don't know. You know, a lot of players I mean, aren't I, for I, it. I, I'm sure Major League Baseball is thinking, hey, you know what? $300 million or $400 million is better than, than, than nothing, you know? Right. Uh, I'm sure that all these leagues have billion-dollar TV deals. You think about only now getting a small percentage of whatever they were expected this season. Hey, that's better than zero. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I, 45 games in a baseball season feels weird. Uh, it's, a, it's a very small sample size, but I think they're going to try their darndest to get on. I mean, it's, I find it hard to believe that we'll have any sort of live sporting events until September. And right. that's, I think at the earliest, cause that's maybe that's when we'll be on track for widespread testing. But I mean, I, even with the, the ideas of these bubble cities, you're, you're not going to be able to get these off the ground or at least get the recommendation from health experts unless there is widespread testing. And I think that is the timeline that sports is just going to have to, follow and hopefully it comes sooner rather than later and you know i think that's why a lot of these leagues aren't really saying much in terms of a definitive date they're just saying that hey we're going to keep trying we're going to keep trying and and see what we can do and right. plan. But until there's widespread testing there's there's going to be no sports just because there, i don't think there's going to be any other non-essential activity going on if there's no widespread testing yeah so you're basically i mean hockey Major League Baseball, yep. WNBA, NBA, yep. and MLS. It's uh, not yeah. probably not looking too good. It's it's not looking good. Hmm. I I I would say the only league that's looking decent is the NFL, right? And and it's and it's not even. I I wouldn't even say they're looking good. I'd say it's just decent. And you know, with each day that passes, it's less of less of a chance. But yeah. Well, you know, it's... they're the ones that could pull it off maybe because they have the fewest games and, yeah. and they can have fewer than 16. Yeah. You know, um, it's just that quarantine piece. I, it, I think it might be easier from an NFL standpoint uh, because you wouldn't, I mean, I don't know, I, how do they travel? I guess they'd be flying, but then you have to have flight attendants, captains, you know, yep, who are all baggage handlers. All, uh, bus drivers, right? I mean, all that stuff. And then I, I, I was wondering, going back to the football stuff, like, the, what about the guys that hold the yard markers and the, yeah. the guy that, that uh, holds all the footballs? Uh, I mean, there's so many parts of game personnel that are on the field, you know, within, you know, four feet of players sometimes. It, it's crazy <laughs> how, it, it's, how many people yeah. it takes to pull off a game. 
it is a big operation, you know. Yeah. All these people are either going to have to be quarantined or there's going to have to be, what, like I said, like with testing, at least if they can get results within minutes, they know that, all right, this person tested positive. They have to leave the stadium immediately or something like that to where it's like that. That's just going to have to be the right. it, it's where they can at least get instant results. Otherwise, you can't risk these athletes, coaches, training staffs, et cetera. You can't risk these people all getting it if you can't test. So right. Well, it's, it, it's it's all about the testing and whether we can get that, then I think then we can get back to somewhat of a, of a normalcy. But until then, it's kind of just going to be what, our, our new normal of, of what we're going through right now. And we need swabs. They need swabs to do tests. Yeah. They don't, no, they don't have them. How crazy is that? They have all these kids, but they don't have swabs. Who ever thought? <laughs> really? <laughs> we don't have swabs. Okay. Uh, another topic. Your thoughts on the horse competition. Oh my gosh. I mean it's 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 going on tonight. Yeah. <laughs> we got the semifinals tonight. Zach Levine is in it. Yep. Uh new, a new a newly engaged, newly engaged Zach Levine, yeah. Congratulations to him. You know, not only did he beat Paul Pierce, then he was able to to, to, to put a ring on it. Right. As the kids would say. <laughs> and you know, but uh you know, i commend them for trying, you know. It, it's it's obviously very difficult to pull off what they're trying to pull off. Yeah. Especially with uh relying on cell phones of uh, of the participants or whatever they're using but yeah it's it, it's it's been it, it's it looked difficult at least from from where i'm sitting in terms of the audio and video quality not great not the best uh but you know what they're trying to put something on that's a live competition for us so uh, i i can't knock them for doing that right <laughs> and i i like paul pierce's house Oh my gosh, it is very decorated, and the views are, are amazing. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I think I think they got the re, the review on this afternoon of of what what happened. So I just saw Pierce's house; it's pretty awesome. But yeah, no, Zach Levine uh, going up against Ali Quigley, so it's a little Chicago. There you go, Chicago Bull versus Chicago Sky. Okay, as, uh, our, our local guy is uh, playing at the court. I don't know if it's his parents' house, but he's out in Snohomish, is what he was saying. Okay. So we'll we'll see if he's. Uh, I'm sure he'll be at the same uh, same facility. But I, I mean, I like his chances because nice, of nice his athleticism. Work. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's got some great athleticism. I mean, I know he was kind of giving Paul Pierce a lot of issues with some up and under kind of things. With uh, I mean, Pierce is retired, so right? In terms of anything <laughs> athletic, anything athletic is not going to look great. He still has the skill, but the athleticism is lacking. Right. So I, he just can't even maneuver in terms of doing some of these moves. So uh, I mean, Levine is the best athlete I think that's left in the field. So I, I like his chances to pull this thing out and, uh, and represent the Northwest here. Speaking of the bulls, the last dance is going to oh, come man. on this weekend. And I've been watching some of the teases. On are, are, they not, are they not amazing? Oh God. I'm like, come <laughs> on. So let's, let's watch it now. I mean, and they moved Honestly. it up, right? It was supposed to be next month. But they they moved it up. June. I think it was supposed to be June, June. after the, after the NBA Finals. Wow, is when they were supposed to do it originally. But uh, yeah, no, it's once the, the the pandemic hit, it's all right. Well, we don't really have anything else that we can put right. on. So uh, let's go ahead and put this on, and, and that's awesome that they were able to get it finished up and and all that stuff in such a short amount of time. But uh, yeah, to talk about ten hours of footage, I mean, you think about how much they actually shot. Uh, for that, you mean you're talking looking at 30, 45 hours worth of stuff that they that they went through to condense into a 10 hour doc. But yeah, I am I am as excited as a, as I've been for any sort of documentary in, in a long time because 
that last dance is probably the, the Jordan season that I remember most vividly being eight years old at the time. But that's when I was kind of able to at least comprehend what's going on and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's an, it's an amazing team that was kind of like the title says on its last dance and they were able to pull out another championship. And I think it's going to give some really good behind the scenes access to a, an iconic team during that time. Just the, uh, the access man is going to be awesome for, for I mean, what every, they had. I mean, we're around teams, all these backstories that always go on. Right. It's so amazing. Just, and it's, and it's there's something special about a basketball team too, because there's only 12 to 15 guys. So it's very close knit. And it, it's not like baseball f- uh, or football where there's clicks within the clubhouse or right, within the locker right. room. Because you're not going to have 40 something or 50 something odd cl- guys where it's all close. It's just, there's too many people for, for it to, to be like that. So. I think with it being a basketball team and the behind the scenes access, I think we're going to get some really good stuff and some really good stories of, uh, of stuff that, and I mean, there's legendary stories of Michael Jordan during that time mm-hmm. and making trips to Atlantic city during the playoffs. Yeah. When they were playing stuff. the Knicks and stuff. When yeah. playing the Knicks, oh so I think we're going to get some, I think we're going to get some more stuff like that's going to show off and maybe mythologize more of that competitive spirit of Michael Jordan. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That, that, that's, that you- should be awesome. Have you gone back and watched any Bulls games uh, recently from back then? I, I watched game three of the 91 finals this past Sunday. Uh, it was Bulls-Lakers. And just watching it, first of all, the game is way different now right. than, than it was back then. It's like you look at the spacing back then. It's like, oh, my gosh, somebody needs to be in the corners ready for a three. Somebody <laughs> needs to be, you know. It's, yeah. Everything is played within the paint. But, I mean, just – where the he, Michael Jordan was at that time in 1991 and being the guy, of, Hey, can he win the big game? And can he, you know, every, everyone just knows Jordan now of being this ultimate champion and ultimate winner. But I mean, he, there was legitimate questions of if he's good enough to win the championship and him having to kind of go over that hump and like Sc- Scotty Pippen fouls out late in the game, Jordan hits a jumper to force overtime. And then they kind of take off and grab control of the series from there. And then, you know, the rest is history. But, uh, yeah, it's just curious, just like, like the mythology of Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and versus like the person who he is now. And even in, in 1998 versus the person he was pre NBA championship. It's it's kind of crazy that his career is almost in three or four different stages. You know? Yeah, it's uh, it's wild. I, I have a, a Jordan story for you. I was uh, working first job out of college in Wilmington, North Carolina. And it was during that time that he ended up kind of retiring between the titles and then going into his baseball foray. But yep. before he went into baseball, you know, Jordan was from Wilmington, North Carolina, played at Laney high school. Yep. And I was working for a radio station at the time. And I knew a lot of the, the high school coaches and one of them actually called me, you know, he couldn't text actually called me and said, Hey Mike, you might want to come down to the boys club tonight about six 30. Uh, supposedly Jordan's going to show up. And they got they had a game, and I was like, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah, for sure." So he was good friends with a guy by the name of Rodney Everhart, who owned Everhart Nissan, in in Wilmington. And so I think I think Jordan owned a little piece of the car dealership, and so he he shows up in a like a three eighty Z T top, you know. It gets out. People are going nuts, you know, and he's just, <laughs> and he's just cool. Like everything Michael yeah, Jordan does is just cool. Like, he's the coolest dude on the planet. Hands down. And you, when you see that in person, you're like, wow, that dude really is cool. 
so he comes in and he talks to the kids, the boys and girls club. And, you know, it, it was kind of packed, but a really small gym. And somehow I ended up, you know, like the old gyms that have like the baseline and then you basically have maybe 10 to 12 inches and then you had the squishy mat on the wall. So if you come flying in for a basket, you're going to hit the wall. At least you have the, the padding there, right? The padding, yep. So I don't know what happened, but I end up standing there for this game. And Jordan gets somebody, you know, it, it's a pickup game, right? These guys he grew up with, everybody comes together. He, someone like got the ball underneath the opposing basket and just kind of lofted a pass to him that went over, you know, midcourt and he's going. And then, you know, it was like two steps and he got the ball at the foul line and he just went flying in and dunked and he lands like right in front of me. And, oh and I was just like, I've seen this guy like win NBA titles on TV and I just, I know how cool he is, but that was like my coolest Michael Jordan moment ever <laughs> in a boys and girls clubs gym in, in Wilmington, North Carolina. And then ever since then, I was just like, this is one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen in my life. And I still think that, I mean, he, he was yeah. unbelievable. And, and the way he, you know, TV wasn't exactly like it is now. So a lot of people tuned into NBC to, to, to watch the finals. And, you know, he's that mythology you talk about. He's, an incredible sports figure and I, I i can't wait to see this thing coming up on sunday thanks for listening to my story it was pretty cool i haven't told many people oh, that no, one. It's, <laughs> it's amazing i mean like it's he's the one guy that a lot so many people i know growing up rooted for the chicago bulls just because because of michael jordan you right. know like and like, and when he left it was almost like the bulls left exactly and like, yeah as, as, a, as a team it's like okay like we don't need to know anything about the chicago bulls anymore since michael and scotty and yeah. phil have all left but you know, it's like he is the guy that's so universally loved, mm-hmm. and I think maybe just because of the media scrutiny back then, it wasn't what it is now because there's less outlets. I mean, it was just the newspaper and the TV right. is all you got in terms of the media, and it, everything was coming. It wasn't instant like it is now with like Twitter and social media, to where news is happening at all times. It's not just all right. This was today's news, and we'll see you tomorrow with tomorrow's news. Right. Like, stuff, <laughs> You know, there's, yeah. there's, there's now each day is seven different news cycles in itself. Yep. Uh, but back then, he was so loved. Today, there's no way that anybody will ever be as loved as he was back then, just because we know the athletes more, so then people like and dislike certain people and all that stuff. But back then, it was all you saw on the court. So you just saw this guy who was the ultimate winner, and unless you maybe lived in one of these cities that was going up against him in the NBA finals, yeah. you absolutely loved it, <laughs> you know? And like, I mean, Seattle got a taste of that in the 96. I mean, the 72 win Chicago Bulls team. And the, the here comes the, the Michael Jordan and his Bulls trying to reclaim the NBA throne. And they're coming in. This, and, I mean, that was a great Sonics team, you know, Kent, Peyton, all these guys that were just amazing. George Carl was the head coach. It was a fantastic team, but Unfortunately, you know, they ran into right. arguably the greatest team of all time. And, you know, for, for, for at least that summer, you were kind of like, dang, man, that Michael Jordan robbed us yep. of, a, of, of an NBA championship because, you know, by that got it, we were going to win that thing if not for for MJ and those guys. But uh, just the mythology around him and uh, for, for the younger generation, I'm really excited for them to be able to kind of see and understand what it was like in the mid nineties, late nineties to be Michael Jordan. And I think that's going to be really cool. To just going to get the different perspectives that will come. Yeah. And, and uh, I think, you know, something LeBron weeks. does with, with the chalk and he kind of throws it up and, 
and stuff before the game. You know, Jordan started all that with Johnny Red Kerr that did the games at WGN. And, and he would kind of get that chalk and he'd go over in front of Johnny, who was a legendary player in Chicago, and just, you know, shake it right in front of him <laughs> right before the game would start. Every time I see LeBron do it, I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's just not the same. <laughs> you know, I mean, LeBron's a great player <laughs> in his own right. But it, yeah. But it's, but, but I mean, I- it's, I mean, how crazy is that? That like, you know, like LeBron James, right. his favorite player is Michael Jordan. You know, and as great as LeBron James, arguably mm-hmm. one of the like, arguably the best player ever. You know, it's either Jordan or him or whoever you might consider. And uh, who LeBron James is so many people's favorite athletes. He's one of my favorite athletes, uh, and his favorite athlete is Michael Jordan. Like, like, like that's how cool and how awesome Michael Jordan was, and how much he meant to guys who were kids in the nineties and not even just kids. I mean, adults and all this stuff. I mean, you talked about you just being right out of college and being mystified by MJ and, and a boy <laughs> right. girls club in Wilmington, North Carolina, you know, but he, he was just the man. And I think a lot of people, I mean, you can read up on it now and all that stuff and for the younger generation, but I don't think they quite grasp what Michael Jordan meant to pop culture, not just sports, but pop culture in general back in the mid to late nineties. And it's, it's me cool to see them kind of see what, what that time was like, because yeah, it was, I was young during then, but even then I could see like, wow, this guy is like the dude and every, like, he made, he did. Ball he did. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like like anything he wore was now cool. Anything he did, the way he walked, the way he talked, the way, you know, just the way he carried himself was just like, wow, that guy is cool. And you know, that's just, that's just what he was, you know? And it's, maybe the less media coverage allows for more mythology because we were able to kind of fill in the gaps ourselves versus the gaps being filled in for us with the amount of uh, media outlets and stuff that there is today. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a really fun documentary. I think it's, they talk about 10 hours and I've seen some reviews of it and everybody says it's, it is amazing. And I mean, heck you think, look about the, the cast of people that got to sit down and talk for it. It's, it is, it is a star-studded group, so I'm excited to see what each part kind of entails well, I as, can't uh, wait as we go on this last day's bit, journey. Talk about it with you next week because it, it looks like it's going to be awesome and we'll have something to watch week after week, you know? So look forward to some yeah. background, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. It'll be a lot of fun. And also, next week, I feel like next Monday would be a good time. We got to do a, uh, a, little, a little draft preview podcast. Maybe we do a little predictions of what the Seahawks might do a pick 27 by Monday. Yeah, we could do that for sure. by Monday. We'll, 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 we'll see what happens, but I think that'll be good just to kind of give the Femi and Ferrari listeners. Uh, something yeah, man, to look for out sure. For, just because uh, I, I read Thursday. up on some things and I'll get my hopes up about a lot of different players and then they'll pick a, pick a punter from Wyoming. So <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> if that's the case, we'll, we'll have exactly. some information on that guy. Sounds, come Thursday sounds good, night. man. <laughs> All right. Well, I better let you get to work. But uh, also, as always, you know, Femi and Ferrari, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, make sure to support us, subscribe, rate, and review. And uh, thanks for listening in on this afternoon. Mike, always good to catch up with you. And uh, what, what you got going on today? Maybe give the folks a little, uh, uh, little snippet well, we of what talked you got about going Von on here coming um, up at 6 o'clock. An interesting thing from Jacksonville, because they have the number nine pick. They, they talk about possibly going with a quarterback. But uh, Doug Marone, who that gong show down there, said that Gardner, Gardner Minshew is his guy. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. We talked to Christian Roldan yesterday. Oh, uh, Going to get his feelings on possibly playing in front of empty stands, which would be, you yeah. know, weird for everybody. <laughs> 
Yeah. We'll see what <laughs> yeah, happens. Most definitely. <laughs> but yeah, no, that should be exciting stuff. I'll, I'll make sure to watch out, uh, watch out for it uh, come this evening. But any uh, any last thoughts? Any final uh, musings as we uh, uh, wrap things boy. up? Here? I I um I I definitely have grown a little wary of not having baseball on. I, it's it's just the soundtrack to my spring yeah. and summer, and I know it is for a lot of people. And it's just like. All right, come on. So every time I, I, I there's always that kind of you know how it is in the in sports office. You get done with a, a sports guest, you come down at seven o'clock. That that's when the Mariners would start. And there's always that noise. I'm looking for pitcher. Just yep. you know, it, 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 I've watched that for twenty some years here, and to me, it's just like it, it is. I I just cannot get used to it. I don't want to get used to it. But uh, every time I kind of hit that spot, I'm like, ah, God, I wish we had some baseball to watch. But you know what? It'll it'll happen again at some point. Just got to. Keep hanging on, I guess. You know. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's it's been all good for me. You know, I think it's it, the interesting thing is that I think I've gotten a little yeah. tired of watching classic games now. <laughs> there, there was that first uh, that first couple weeks or three mm-hmm. weeks even where I was like, oh, this is awesome, and you know, some of these games are awesome games. And if it's a game I haven't seen in a really long time, I'll still watch it. But now a lot of these games is that they're getting rerun. Even the classics now are becoming reruns. And uh, I, I, I'm getting a little restless with those, but you know, it's you can only do so much now that we don't really have anything live. But uh, definitely the fact that, like, I mean, NBA right. playoffs, NHL playoffs, baseball, you know, we just passed Masters weekend last weekend. These are things that should all be going on right now. And unfortunately, they're not. Uh, and it's for the safety of the public. But uh, yeah, I think it's really starting to hit in now. But yeah, hey, we do, do have yeah. a WNBA draft tomorrow, though. So we'll have we'll have some new Seattle Storm players, so make sure to look out for that as well. But uh, yeah, I think that it's it's really starting to to hit now that we're in this thing for the long haul, and as of now, we're just not going to really have sports for a while. But that's what's necessary. Yeah, we'll keep having sports news one time. So we'll have plenty to talk about. Yep. Oh, we will. The news <laughs> will keep flying yeah. in. <laughs> I know. know. Yeah, it's amazing how it happens, but it does. You know, the the, the business of sports never stops, even though the games uh them in themselves have but uh we'll have something for you folks so, so hang hang tight with us all right Femi. all right it was uh, a right. good Thanks, chat and, uh, we'll do it again soon mike